Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Welcome to Marnie's Friends, the online training show where experts share insights into aspects of life and leadership that take you from surviving to thriving ASAP. Right now, you are about to discover practical, doable success strategies to shorten your learning curve, increase your productivity, and skyrocket your delight in life. Be sure to thank today's guests by sharing this program via your favorite social media outlet and swing by Marnie.com and give me a shout out too. Now let's get going with today's episode of Marnie's Friends. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie Swedberg, and I'm excited to have you with us for this special broadcast this afternoon with our guest, Shannon Etheridge. Uh, our program today is called Blast Off, Your Speaking Ministry, and Shannon is here to share with us. Well, in fact, grab a notepad of some kind and get ready, because during the next hour, you are going to discover the role of faithfulness in the small stuff, the power of discovering God's unique niche for you, how to identify and find your ideal audience and cater to that crowd, how to market yourself with class and style, four tips for making every presentation clear, concise, and memorable, how to manage long-term goals with immediate action steps, false modesty versus effective marketing strategy, and how to prepare for and create effective video presentations. Our guest today is Shannon Etheridge. She is a million-copy bestseller author, international speaker, certified life coach, and advocate for healthy sexuality with a master's degree in counseling and human relations from Liberty University. She is the founder and host of BLAST, a mentoring program dedicated to building leaders, authors, speakers, and teachers, and you can learn more at her site, blastmentoring.com. Welcome to you, Shannon. I'm so excited to have you here with us today. Thanks so much for having me, Marnie. It is a delight to finally get to connect with you. I've, I've, we've known each other for years, and so I'm delighted to, to finally get to talk voice to voice. Right, and you know, we got to got to meet face to face at Speak Up uh, a few months ago, uh, Carol Kent's Speak Up conference, and then several years ago, that my first really introduction to you was we owned a bookstore, Christian bookstore, um, in Minnesota, and uh, in came your book, um, you know the the sexuality books that you had started with there, your big series. And um, then you came on uh, Bible Study Expo several years ago with um, what every what every girl's, every woman's battle, I think is what the one that we every, had on there. Every woman's battle and every young woman's battle, yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. So I was so, I sat in one of your, uh, one of your workshops there at Speak Up and you told us, kind of the part of the story I didn't know, the part of the story that was like, where did that all come from? And I wanted you to start with that today because you know how you love somebody, but then you hear a little bit more of their back study and then you love them even more. That's how I felt. Aw. Aw. I I, I feel honored. I do. uh So why don't you tell us the role of faithfulness in the small stuff? Yeah. And so basically people ask me, how did I ever get started uh, you know, in the writing and speaking world, and I tell them I started out as a youth pastor and traveling around and speaking on healthy sexuality with youth groups, and then I kind of grew with my audience and evolved to college age and adults. And it was during a particular season of time that I was teaching on a, a campus of college age women, and um, I really sensed God saying, "You need to write out every single word of your lecture notes." And I remember, like, trying to bargain with God, saying, uh, I've been speaking for years, and I could just, you know, make a few notes on an index card and go by the seat of my pants. And I really sensed God saying, no, I want you to write out every single word of your lecture notes. Well, then when the class grew from 5 to 30 to 100 to 300 women, and then the, the <laughs> organization finally just made it a mandatory course for all women, uh, they, so many of them would approach me and say, I would like a copy of your lecture notes. My mother needs this. My sister needs this. My friend needs this. And I was standing at the copy machine making dozens and dozens of copies every week and paying for it out of my own pocket. And I was like, God, show me how to keep up with you. Like, I have no idea what is happening here. And that's when a friend asked about the class and how it was going. And I showed him my lecture notes. And he said, Shannon, you need to to turn this into a book. And I said, Jerry, I can't write a book. And then it hit me. I think I just did. These 12 sets of lecture notes could be 12 chapters for a book. 
So that's what I yeah. sent it into a literary agent who just happened to be the agent for the Every Man's Battle series with Steve Arterbird and Fred Stoker, and they just happened to be looking for a woman who could develop the Every Woman's Battle series. So it was the right message at the right time on the right desk, and if all those cosmic tumblers hadn't clicked perfectly into place, it, the Every Woman's Battle series would have never happened, at least not with me. So I was very thankful that I was obedient to God saying, you need to write out every single word, and that I wrote a book without even realizing I was writing a book. (laughs) I just love that whole story. I love the faithfulness of being obedient even when you can't understand the why. I love the faithfulness of standing at the coffee machine paying for the copies yourself. I love the obedience of, um, you know, how how you went and it became a, a big bestseller and you kept writing. You didn't just stop. You didn't just sit down and say, good enough is good enough. You know, I mean, you just got back right now. You just got back from a huge trip. Um, Just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I just got back from doing a week long workshop series with the Air Force and Army bases in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, I had done a workshop there two years ago and they had been asking, when will you come back? When will you come back? So they had us do uh, an entire day's training with uh, professionals, with the chaplains and uh, leaders, and then a day with the singles and a day with couples, and uh, and then a family day. And so I, I just love how God has opened doors in so many different countries and so many different states and so many different age ranges and audiences. What started out as youth ministry has really evolved into just (laughs) healthy sexuality cradle to grace. Whether that's instilling sexual values in children, whether that's training your teenagers, whether that's uh, helping uh, couples or helping individuals find the love of their life um, and encouraging single people to put themselves out there, whether that's helping a married couple, you know, open lines of communication and, and be able to talk more openly about what they want and need from each other sexually. I just, I love my life. I love, <laughs> I love my job. <laughs> well, what's so cool is that you're so clear about your unique niche that God has for you with this area of sexuality and the, the healing and whole, wholeness of that that God wants us to have. But then you also have space in your world to help other people with your BLAST program to build leaders, authors, speakers, and teachers. And, you know, just talk to the listener right now about the power of discovering God's unique niche for her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, it was sexuality. People would sometimes question, like, how can you be so comfortable talking about sex? And for me, it's always been a matter of why are other people so uncomfortable talking about it? It just it came very natural and organically to me. And I know that there have been seasons in my life, I'll be honest, where I was tempted to just broaden my topic so that, you know, so that I'll have more speaking engagements. Because, you know, sex is not one of those topics that churches really want to bring a speaker in to talk about. But I feel like that is where God has gifted me and that's where he's called me. And I'm not doing it for notoriety's sake or for a larger platform. I'm doing it for the effectiveness of helping individuals and couples So I've tried to stay really, really true to that platform of just healthy sexuality. And so it's evolved into not just speaking and not just writing, uh, but also coaching. Uh, And so through the years, one of the most common questions that I got wasn't just about sex. Uh, You know, so many people would say, your story is just like my story. And I would just be, you know, well, thankfully, you know, uh, that scripture about um, you know, no temptation seizes you, but what is common. And so I loved that people were connecting with my story and, and being encouraged by it and inspired by it. But the second most common comment that I would get was, uh, how can I do what you do? And they weren't referring to being the sex lady. They were referring to, how can I speak about what I'm passionate about? How can mm-hmm. I write about right. what I'm passionate about? How can I coach people about what I'm passionate about? So that's when in 2009 I had already been writing uh, for, for about six or seven years at that point and had several books down the pike. And I thought, I can take a year off of writing my own books and teach other people how to start their own platform. So that's when I developed the BLAST program, which BLAST stands for Building Leaders, Authors, Speakers, and Teachers, and spent an entire year um, creating video curriculum mm-hmm. and pouring through books and creating exercises for people to just really expand their horizons and catch the vision for what God was calling them to do and how they could discover their own gifts and create a lifestyle that didn't feel like work, but that felt like play. That's, that's what I tell people. Uh, you know, I don't charge to come in and speak. I charge to be away from home. Uh, I would speak for free. I love doing what I do, but, right. but I don't always love, you know, having to get on an airplane and travel and be in a hotel and being, you know, away. 
but I, I really love the life that I've created, and what I do doesn't feel like work. It does feel like play. And when we are operating in God's giftings mm-hmm. and we have found our unique niche, that's the magic of it, is that we feel like we could do it forever because it is so fulfilling. And especially when you see fruit from it, when you see it transforming other people's lives and you recognize that God is using, the God of the universe is using me as conduit through which his Holy Spirit power flows to impact other people's lives. You just want to watch God work through you more and more over and over as the years go by. Oh, I just love it. I just love it. And we're going to take a little break and come back and talk about exactly how to identify and find your ideal audience and cater that crowd as well as how to market yourself with class and style. And so don't go away. We'll be right back in just a minute with our guest, Shannon Etheridge. There is a huge difference between working for God and allowing God to work through us. My latest book, Flow Through Vessel, explains how to master the habit of letting God flow through our lives. When we try to do everything good for God, we quickly fail. But when we learn how to allow God to flow His life and love through us, we find strength for the day. Check out this new Bible study resource at www.marnie.com. That's www.marnie.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie. So excited to have you with us this afternoon along with our guest today, Shannon Etheridge of BlastMentoring.com. Shannon, one of the things that people, you know, ask a lot is, okay, so now I know, you know, what I'm supposed to talk about. I know what, you know, lights my fire and gets me up in the morning. But how do I find people to tell it to? Where do I find that audience? Yeah, I think that you always need to ask yourself, who needs to hear my message? Who would benefit from it? And where do those people gather? And in some senses, it may be churches or women's retreats or something along those lines. But in other cases, it may be different places. Um, I'm always encouraging women to consider um, community-type events, rotary club meetings, mops groups are always a great audience. Um, it, it's You really have to think outside the box. It, but more importantly, rather than being worried about where you're going to speak, really creating an online presence and creating a tribe of your own where people can follow you from wherever they are in the world, the, the Internet has just opened up a whole new era of ministry possibilities. Because if, if we build that website, if we create that online program or whatever, and people have easy access to it, that opens up whole world of possibilities that weren't available 20 years ago or you know, 30 years ago. And so really taking advantage of the opportunity that we have with technology to, to put yourself out there and to create that breadcrumb trail to your door and let people know who you are and what you're passionate about. And uh, chances are, if you're passionate about it because it's met a felt need in your life, there are other people who have a similar felt need. So don't be afraid to, to create that following online, even just with a Facebook page or a website. That is still a form of ministry to let people know those four magic words in the English language that minister to our souls more than any other, and that is you are not alone. If people know mm-hmm. that you've overcome something or that you've found victory in a particular way, chances are they may want to find similar victory. They may need the exact same thing. So. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there and, and open up those lines of communication with other people. You might be surprised at where that leads you. And, and that's what leads to speaking engagements or you know, invitations. That's what leads to publishers asking, you know, would you like to write a book? And it's really amazing when people start reaching out to you and asking you to come and speak or to write for them because they recognize the power in your message and how it is meeting a felt need out there in the world. Yeah, so I want to kind of hunker down on this one a little bit, talk a little bit more about uh, marketing ourselves and um, how to actually how to actually narrow down the whole big world into what it is that I'm supposed to do. Like there are so many mm-hmm. choices out there, Shannon. I mean, like if somebody was just going to try to have a presence on every social media outlet, that would just be overwhelming, time-consuming. They wouldn't be able to even do it. Yeah. Um, so how right. do you help people begin to narrow down, like, um, what should I personally do? How would I decide that? Yeah. Well, first of all, the concept of, of putting yourself out there can be really scary and daunting to people. And there's a psychology behind this fear. Usually when I really dig long enough with a client, I will discover that they have a fear 
that people will think that they think that it's all about them if they put themselves out there. And the reality is, is no one is thinking that at all. They're not judging you. They're not criticizing you. They just want to know, what do you have for me? What do you have that will help me? And one of the examples that I often use with people is that, you know, let's look at people like Bess Moore or Joyce Meyer or Josh McDowell. Uh, they've all created ministries around themselves and their passions. And I actually just had dinner with Kay Arthur last night and Jan Silvius. And, you know, same thing with them. You know, that, like they know their passion and they're not afraid to put themselves out there, and they aren't worried that, oh, but people are going to think that I think that it's all about me, and it's not. You have to get over that anxiety because people just aren't thinking that. Um, you know, what is that expression that you wouldn't be so concerned about what other people are thinking of you if you realized how little they think of you? Like they don't think they're not worried about you. They're, they're worried about themselves, you know. And um, one of my favorite quotes about marketing, uh, well, a couple of my favorite quotes, one is that marketing is simply sharing what you love with people that will care to know about it. That's all that marketing is. It's, it does, it's not this big, complex, scary business strategy thing. It's just simply caring enough about people to share what has really changed your life. And the favorite quote is that doing any sort of business without a marketing plan is like winking at a girl in the dark. You know what you're doing, <laughs> but no one else does. <laughs> so marketing is absolutely vital. And, and my life coach, Dwight Bain, he says, without marketing, a really sad thing happens. Nothing. <laughs> because, again, you have to let people know who you are and what you stand for in order for them to recognize that, yeah, they, they have something that, that I need in my life that I want to experience myself. And so just recognizing that you could truly be changing people's lives if you would get over your own fears and anxieties about putting yourself out there, that you can do it with class and style. And you're right, Marnie. There's no way that anyone can take advantage of every social media opportunity out there. So what I recommend is just pick two or three, but be consistent with them. Be faithful with them. So if you're going to post stuff on Facebook, do it regularly. If you're going to create a blog, uh, post consistently. Uh, if you're going to do Instagram or whatever, build a following such that they anticipate what it is that you're going to be sharing and that, that they even look for those things. Like I'm sure with your show, you do it regularly, consistently, and people know when to expect it coming down the pike. So consistency is key. Uh, it's up to you how often you want to create those posts or, or podcasts or whatever, but just be consistent with it where people know that you're predictable and reliable. Yeah, and I always think, you know, if you're going to think about starting like a radio show like this or a blog or whatever it is that you're thinking about starting, if you just have a, create some initially to have, to have in a pool, see how you do. Like so, so many people want to start a blog every day or even three times a week and they've just never done it. So they start and they're strong and then it, it like buries them, Shannon. They, they just get completely overwhelmed or even a radio mm -hmm. show. It takes so much time to coordinate these kind of things. And you have to know that you can do it consistently over a long period of time. I always encourage people start with a few, um, a few months of just trying it. <laughs> see if it's mm -hmm. really doable. Yeah. And even, you know, even if you don't, uh, if you don't publish those right at the time, you keep them in the back. Well, then when you start, well, then if, if one of your family members ends up in the hospital for a week or a month, you know, you're still okay. You've got, you've got stuff you can pull out. You know, there's just, there's exactly kind of do this without, um, I, I think so many times, I, I always say that Satan does this thing, like he's got these symbols, like, you know, um, the, the symbols that you clang together and make a big noise, you know, so on the one side of your head, he's got the symbol that says, you don't do enough. You're never doing enough. You call yourself a Christian, but you're not doing enough. And on the other side, mm. it's like when you do something, it's like, well, now you overdid it. Well, now you took on too much or now you did something and it didn't work, you know, so he's got these symbols and he's just banging against our heads all the time with these with these lies and these uh, untruths that God is not saying about us, but that we're hearing because that's his favorite thing to tell us is a, we're not doing enough or B we're not doing it well enough or we did too much. And so I think when we're starting into ministry to just, um, I liked the example I just heard today, Frida Owenga from um, Kenya, Africa, she was doing a training and she said, do a runway type thing. Don't do the jump off the cliff type thing. <laughs> Do the runway. <laughs> you're, you're taking a trip. You know where you want to land, but just take off gradually and kind of kind of bank up instead of just go flying off the end of a cliff. 
I completely agree. Yeah, having material in the can and also, uh, you know, like if you're going to create a blog, remember, you don't have to recreate the wheel every single time. Having guest blogs and reaching, reaching out to other people who have a similar message, this is very much a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of world. And so for you to offer them a guest blog spot on your blog means that they may reciprocate and, and return the favor. And that's how you build your following is you get your message in front of a multitude of different people who may not know about you before, but then all of a sudden they read your guest blog on someone else's site and they jump over to your site and they subscribe as well. So it is about creating that tribe, creating that following of people who trust you and want you to keep speaking into their lives. When you talk about marketing yourself with class and style, what's in your mind when you hear those two words? (laughs) I think that you need to always keep in mind that the goal isn't for you to impress people or it's not, it isn't about you. It's it's not about um, fame or fortune or even success or anything like that. It's about meeting felt needs. If you'll just Hmm. focus on, what you're hearing people say via email or their comments in the on your Facebook post or whatever, like keep your fingertips on the pulse point of what people are thinking and what they're feeling and what they're actually needing and focus your content on that. And then you're delivering something that will satisfy their appetites. It's kind of like, if you have, if you're having people for dinner, you want to know what they like. You want to know what, what kind of, food allergies they have, like you want to make them happy by serving them food that's going to nourish them and, and appeal to their palate and that sort of thing. It's the same thing The same thing with content. You want to make sure that what you're putting out there is meeting their needs, not necessarily your need for affirmation or approval or whatever. And I can promise you, if you put yourself out there, you're going to get some pushback. There's going to be times where the approval or the affirmation or attention that you want uh, turn sour, and you know, there are people who just feel a lot of freedom to be critical of anyone who who expresses any sort of opinion, and you can get the attacks from both sides of the fence. Like I remember when I published the book The Sexually Confident Wife, there were some Christians who really attacked me because now all of a sudden I wasn't just talking about sexual integrity like I did in the Every Woman's Battle series. Now I was talking about sexual intimacy, and that was scandalous, and you know that that's that's a total taboo. And so I was getting arrows from the conservative side of the fence. But then I did a blog post for CNN.com and WashingtonPost.com, and there were non-Christians who attacked me for attaching sexuality to spirituality because there were people who claimed mm-hmm. we have great sex lives, but we're not Christians. And so I just learned that you know what, you're not going to please all the people all the time, and I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea but I can't let it slow me down from preaching and teaching and, and just sharing what I am, you know, what I believe is truth that will actually help people because uh, my brother was the one who said it to me best. He said, Shannon, you're a trailblazer, and the definition of a trailblazer is the one who has all the arrows in their back. So you're going to get some <laughs> arrows when you put yourself out there with, with your opinions or yeah. your doctrines or your passions or whatever, but you know what? Just don't let the naysayers slow you down. Just keep focusing on the people that you are helping and let them be fuel for your fire to keep going. I love that. Yeah, and I think one of the things that is most shocking for um, people in Christian ministry is how many arrows come from uh, fellow believers. And I I like to think of the, the armor that we put on, and there's only one shield, and everything else, everything else is protecting our body even from arrows that are coming from behind the shield, you know, from other believers. So I think it's really important for us to just know that uh, just because God has given you a message doesn't mean that everybody will agree with it. And it doesn't exactly. matter. Exactly. We have to do is look at Jesus. Just look at Jesus. So, yeah, you're um, going to get some flack. Yeah. I think one of the things that helps me to identify how I want to present, like you say, with class and style, how I want to present is the way that I like to be presented to myself. And if I just keep that in mind, um, that eliminates a lot of a lot of the questions that I have. Like I don't I don't like people jamming their message down my throat. I don't I, I like to be able to choose. I like to be able to have options. I like to see their stuff and be able to consume it. You know, that's one of the things that was hard for me at first when I was uh, publishing things is that people consume you. They literally consume you. And, and you know, maybe if they bought your book, maybe they paid $20. And then they're ready for more. 
well, that book maybe took, you know, two or five years to write, <laughs> you know. So mm-hmm, you just kind of mm-hmm. have to kind of change how you perceive. But then I recognize how I I am like that. I consume, I just, I can pick someone's brain and get all of their life expertise in a couple of days, you know, by their books and, and just consume it. And I'm so much better off for it and so grateful for it. And so it helps me to be more uh, open with people to recognize how I actually consume someone's um, expertise and someone's brilliance that they're putting out there or even watching their walk with Christ, you know. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I I completely agree. One of the things I have learned is that just because someone invests time and energy in uh, sending some sort of criticism or, or negative comment or whatever does not mean that you are required or obligated to reciprocate in kind. And that to ignore your <laughs> critics is sometimes the, the best strategy of just not to, not to let the negative energy consume you. And you just keep focusing on the positive. Focus on the positive. Focus on the positive. Um, mm. Because, yeah, we have to remember that when people comment on things or attack you, they're coming from a particular paradigm. They, they, they've had life experiences that lead them to believe and to feel strongly in the ways that they do. And, it, and it's not necessarily wrong. It's just different from where you may be in your journey. So remembering that, you know, we're all in this life together and to treat each other with, um, you know, with kindness and respect. And I think that that's what it means with, you know, with marketing yourself with class and style is, you know what, just do, do not reciprocate hate with hate or criticism with criticism, be classier than that. Yeah. Be, be more stylish than that and understand that you know, they may have been having a hard day. They may have misunderstood what you were trying to say. Uh, their life experiences may dictate that that's just a really unpalatable piece of advice for them. But, again, it, it, we're, we're not in a position where everyone has to like us or approve of us in order to be walking in our calling. And like, like you said, even Jesus himself. Uh, got attacked and warned us that we would be too. And so just not to let that negative energy weigh you down and keep you from doing what you're called to do. If I had let the negative energy uh, stop me, I would have stopped you know, 24 out of 25 years ago. And, you know, I got slack in the first year for even talking about sex in the church at all. That was just so, so scandalous back then. And to some degree it still is. But if you believe in your message and you know that God has called you to do just that among people, then you better keep doing just that because we need to be faithful to our calling. Mm, I love that. And I think it's really important to have key trusted people around you that you can listen to when everybody else is standing against you. I think of Jesus the day that he just turned around and walked through the crowd that wanted to kill him. You know, they wanted to throw him off a cliff and he just turned around and walked through that crowd. He just stood against the whole crowd without saying a word. He just walked through and walked away. But he had his disciples to go back to and he had his fathers. But even with that, you know, even, you know, there was the day when he had to say to Peter, get behind me, Satan, because that close person to him was not speaking truth to him. So I think, you know, just this balance of listening to God, of following God with your whole heart, and of also getting good counsel from those who are closest to you. Shannon, do you have like a key group that um, prays for you and sows into your life? I do absolutely. Uh, one of my most beloved group, I call them. Uh, we call ourselves Shrink Wrap because it's four counselors <laughs> or coaches who sit around and rap about our own problems. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's what I tell people: is you know, just because you're in a role of teacher or leader doesn't mean that you don't need to be submitted to a group of people where you are peer to peer, you know, and, and where you're mm-hmm. examining your own life on a regular basis. But yes, I have many counselor friends, coach friends, sex therapist friends, pastor friends, and I always invite them to speak into my life. But, you know, the flip side of that coin is that, again, they may be speaking from a particular paradigm that doesn't line up with mine, Mm -hmm. and that ultimately, at the end of the day, I have to follow my own heart because that's where the Holy Spirit resides, is inside of me, and that my calling may be slightly different than their calling. And um, I only answer to God. I don't answer to other people and so it's good it's, it's good to consider other people's advice but you can't you can't just be tossed about like the wind of just taking everybody's advice because there's no way that everybody is going to tell you the same thing or advise you the same way and so knowing yourself 
you know, having that close relationship with God where, like you said, you were hearing his voice and you sent them telling you, you know, turn to the right or the left or do this or do it this way or say it this way or don't say it at all or go to this event but don't go to that event or whatever, those are really important things for you to be your own boss and and let God be the only authoritative final answer or voice in your head. Um, take into consideration what other people offer, but, it, you know, a lot of advice is worth what you pay for it. At the end of the day, it, it's going to be you that has to make those decisions. Yeah, I always love the phrase, living for an audience of one. Just remember that in the end, you will stand alone in front of Christ and answer for what you've chosen to do. And I always think of that when somebody's pressuring me or wanting me to stop doing what God has put in my heart. It's like, okay, but Jesus, where are you on this topic? What have you called me to do? We're going to take a quick little break and come back and talk about the four tips for making every presentation clear, concise, and memorable, and also how to manage long-term goals with immediate action steps. We'll be right back. Find your next speaker at WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring nearly 1,000 Christian women speakers from every state, denomination, and fee range, some near you. It's all available to you 24 hours a day, so you can start your most enjoyable speaker search anytime you have time. Search by location, name, topic, or fee range. Connect directly with the speakers you like using their social media links or the online connection box. It's really that easy. Womenspeakers.com has been the number one online connection place since 2002. Speaker profiles include a bio, professional headshot photo, a list of topics with descriptions, some references from people who've heard them speak, and so much more. It's all fast fun and free to search anytime you have time, day or night. Check it out right now at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie, and you are joining us for Blast Off Your Speaking Ministry with guest Shannon Etheridge of BlastMentoring.com. Shannon, let's go ahead and dive into talking about the four tips for making every presentation clear, concise, and memorable. So, um, first of all, when you start to prepare a talk for whatever audience it is, what, what's your first step? Well, the number one step is you have to know who your audience is because uh, how, the direction that you go with your message and how you convey it is going to be very dependent on are you, are you talking to teenagers or college students or adults? Are you talking to married people or single people or a combination of the two? Are you talking to uh, conservatives or progressives or liberals? Are you, are you talking to moms? Or, uh, you know, there's, there's just a, a wide, uh, you know, possi- wide array of possibilities of who's going to be sitting in your audience and absorbing the information that you put out. So, first of all, know your audience. And then I would say it's very important to know how you're going to start your talk and how you're going to end your talk. Uh, I tell people it's kind of like getting on the highway and getting off the highway. You better know where your, ex- where your entry <laughs> ramp is and where your exit ramp is. And don't stress out so much about memorizing every word in the middle. As long as you know that you're going to start with a bang, which is very important, because they're going to judge whether or not you're credible within the first 30 seconds of your talk. It literally, the judgment happens that fast. And so they're going to remember how you started and they're going to remember how you ended. Um, and then in the middle, yeah, having three points or some really great stories uh, and word pictures are always really helpful. That, that, that's certainly wise strategy. But if you start off weak or you end weak, but you have a strong middle, that's not gonna that, that's not gonna translate as well from the stage. And so, yeah, th- Marty, this is one of those questions where I could literally spend three hours unpacking just <laughs> practical speaking tips because it yeah. it really yeah. is something that you have to take very very seriously, understanding the psychology of what's happening in the audience's minds as you take the stage and as you unpack your message. Yeah, I love that, and it is so important. It's crazy how short of a period of time someone will make a snap judgment about you, and it's possible for you to win them back if you have a faulty start, but it just takes so much effort compared to if you can come out strong and just launch instead of coming out and saying, you know, it's so great to be here and everything. You know, uh, just just start strong, start right in. So Mm -hmm. what are the four tips for making every presentation clear, concise, and memorable? Well, first of all, Using some sort of visual images, I think that is absolutely vital. If you don't know PowerPoint, learn PowerPoint. It's not a difficult concept. 
So if you're creating PowerPoint slides, don't go putting a bunch of words and text on the screen. Use images, use pictures, right. uh, and they're free off the Internet uh, because a picture is worth a thousand words, and they may not remember what you said, but they will remember images that you, you know, word pictures that you use. Um, and then um, it, it, it's very important that you pay attention to what you're wearing because the last thing in the world you want to do is to be a distraction to your audience. So if your clothes are just really, really you know, too wild or if they're just really, really too conservative or if you are wearing bangle bracelets, it's going to be a distraction or earrings that are just super jiggly and every time you move your head they're bobbing all around. There's all kinds of things that you can do to undermine uh, your audience's focus on what you're saying. So you just want to be extremely careful about um, you know, what you're wearing when you take the stage and also what shoes you're wearing. If you're going to be walking around and clunking around or you're just looking very precarious as if you're going to stumble and fall on that stiletto any minute, that, <laughs> that's a distraction. So anything that's going to distract the audience from your message itself, you need to really reexamine that. And, Marnie, one of the best things that you can do is to do a practice run in front of a live audience and videotape it and ask for the audience's feedback, and then watch that videotape yourself and see if you don't see what they saw from their perspective. Uh, again, I could go on and on. It's almost cruel for you to say, give us four tips, because I could give you 400. <laughs> this, this is, I, I really want women to take their responsibility from the stage very, very seriously, because if God has entrusted the message to you and he's opened up a door and rolled out a red carpet for you to be able to present that message, you really need to understand what you're doing and to unleash, you know, like unharness that power that you possess to mold and shape your audience to receive whatever it is that you're that you're dishing out. Yeah, I think one of the main things I would encourage you guys to do is to get very get very clear in your own heart and mind what you're going to say before you go up on a platform. And there's all kinds of space for the Holy Spirit to change our direction um, at that point, but to just go and to just wait for the Holy Spirit to miraculously, you know, pour a message through us uh, for a foreign audience is not really fair. It's not fair to the planner. It's not fair to the, the audience. And it's definitely not fair to you to do that because you miss out then on all of the preparation time, on all of the getting that deep into your soul and your heart before you share it, of all of the opportunity that you have to become uh, a speaker who is able to clearly and concisely share a message. So even though I'm, I know some of you like to just let the Holy Spirit lead you, I, I mean, I do too. I love to let the Holy Spirit lead me. And I believe that it's a partnership. Maybe, Shannon, where are you on that? I completely agree. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it's a partner. It, it's interesting. The partnership isn't just Two way. I mean, there's so many different dynamics. You've got the people who bring you in to speak in the first place, and then you've got the audience who comes expecting, you know, to be poured into. And then you've got you up there as a speaker, and then you've got God and the Holy Spirit directing you step by step. And it, it, it's it's definitely. I, I tell people speaking is not a, a science; it is an art. And you're right. It, it's always good to you know give the Holy Spirit room to redirect you on the spur of the moment if necessary. But for the most part, I, I agree that you, you really need to know what direction you're headed and how you're going to start and how you're going to finish. And I think that that's where our confidence comes from, that you know, you, sometimes you see a speaker take the stage and they have a good message, but confidence isn't really being exuded from them. And so you don't really, it doesn't really translate as believable. But a person can take a, a stage with all kinds of confidence that, that they really believe in the message that they're presenting to you. And it doesn't even have to be that powerful a message, but you walk away fired up going, yeah, you that, what she said. <laughs> so your attitude is also so much a part of it. The energy, the energy that you weave into a presentation, it has to be commensurate with the size of your audience, with the point of your message, with the length of your talk. Uh, and this is where, you know, another uh, concept that people need to grasp is that, Audiences have a particular bandwidth of attention span, and so being able to break your talk up with different visual images or video clips or um, you know different um, you know props or whatever, uh, being able to gauge uh, when you're losing an audience and how to gain them back, how to kind of rev the energy back up a little bit in a very natural, organic way, it is definitely an art form, but it certainly can be learned. And one of the best ways to learn it is just to to put yourself 
out there on that stage. You you will grow as a speaker, especially like I tell people, if you just put yourself out there in the first year, you will be amazed at how differently you speak just after a 12-month span of time. Just give yourself a few trial runs because there's nothing like presenting in front of a live audience. I think a lot of people do it in their heads for years and years, thinking someday, someday, someday. Well, you got to get out of the Sunday mentality and, and, you know, get around to it and actually uh, let someone know that, hey, I have this message on my heart or I have a testimony that I think could go well with your audience. And if you have any openings that you would like for me to come in and, and share my talk, I would love to do that. So don't be afraid to do that. What's the worst that can happen? is that they don't need you. Okay, well, th- then the answer is no. Well, it was, it was no before you ever presented it, too, so you really haven't gained or lost anything. But the possibility of an open door is much greater if you huh. knock on it first. So don't be afraid Absolutely. to knock on those doors and, and start somewhere. And I think if you're listening and you don't have a live audience to do this in front of, just do it in front of a video recorder. I mean, that's, I remember when, before I went on my first home show, and I set up this, <laughs> set up a camcorder in my living room and a little table, and did the did the whole you know presentation there. And I remember watching it, thinking, "That's how I look. That's what I'm doing with my arms. Unbelievable!" And I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I just, I was so surprised. And I didn't even need your body language is so that. important. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, it's really yeah. helpful. So and, and, yeah, don't wait until you have you, a large audience to practice in front of. Yes, and you don't realize what you're doing until after you see yourself doing it. For example, one of the girls in my BLAST program, she sent me a a sample of her speaking, and she was speaking from the podium, and she kept doing these things with her fingers where she looked like she was making crab claws. So I just kept expecting her to start singing under the sea, under the sea. Yeah, like it's something out of Little Mermaid or something. It's like, do you realize how much you're relying on the same gesture and if she had just done that once or twice it would have been Mm -hmm. fine but she was doing it like once or twice every minute and so yeah after the 12th or 13th time that somebody does the same body language or gesture it it, it's a distraction so yes videotaping yourself and watching it and just being honest but also don't just look for the negative things look for what you're doing right again that's where confidence comes from is that practice makes it perfect so uh, do do be gentle on yourself and just you'll grow. You will grow and grow and grow. And then you'll, yeah, you'll watch videos of yourself from 10 years ago and you'll cringe. And <laughs> it's an organic evolution process. Give yourself the, the room to, to grow in that direction. Well, right. And it, it's even true that a couple years down the road, you might say, wow, I just went to said that now. I just, you know, I went to said that now. But don't let that stop you. Because where you are right now, God knew you would be right here where you are right now, and he wants to use you right now, right where you are. So don't let it stop you. And I've heard, I've heard everybody who's a, a, a big name that we would recognize, you know, say that, oh, I just cringe when I look back at what I was saying, what I was wearing, what I was doing. And, um, you know, it's okay. God still used them and, and brought them up through the ranks just like he does with all of us. We're going to take a final last break here and come back and talk with Shannon about how to manage long-term goals with immediate action steps false modesty versus effective marketing strategies, and how to prepare for and create effective video presentations. We'll be right back. Women's ministry leaders across America rely on womensevents.info to find the major Christian women's events coming to their area. Womensevents.info is the only online directory of its kind featuring all the upcoming major Christian women's events. You are invited to search for events coming near you or to add your own major Christian women's events. Everything's easy and accessible over at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marty. You're joining us for Blast Off Your Speaking Ministry with our guest, Shannon Etheridge of BlastMentoring.com. Shannon, let's talk about how to juggle the long-term goals with the immediate action steps. Maybe just a couple insights that you've learned over the years that have really helped you to get things done. Yes. uh, I frequently challenge my Blast Mentorship Group members to consider the difference between a dream and a goal. Uh, a dream is just kind of a far off one of these days when I get around to it, you know, just when all the cosmic numbers click into place, then I'll do this someday. Whereas a goal is, okay, within the next 30 days, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. So you have to be very uh, smart. It's SMART goal stands for specific, 
measurable, attainable, uh, uh, I think it's relatable, I can't remember for sure, um, and time sensitive. So you, it has to be measured within an amount of time. I'm going to do this thing, and it has to be something that you can actually measure the success of it, whether you've accomplished it or not. So, for example, it's one thing to say, I think I have a book in me. I want to write a book someday. Well, you know what? 83% of the people on the planet believe they have a book in them, but less than 1% ever sit down to write it, and even a, a smaller fraction ever you know, actually get it published. So I challenge people, don't say I'm going to write a book someday. Say I'm writing a book. I'm, I'm starting today or tomorrow or next week or whatever. And break that book down. If you envision that that book needs to be 60,000 words, which is kind of standard in the industry, say, okay, it's going to have 12 chapters, so each of my chapters is going to be about 5,000 words, and I'm going to write a minimum of 2,000 words uh, at least two to three times a week to where I can finish a chapter a week. And doing that, you can finish a book in three months' time or six months' time or whatever, but set really specific timetables for yourself so that you feel as if you're making progress. Because if you feel as if you're making progress, you're going to be far more motivated to, to stick with it and see it through to its completion than if you just keep saying someday, someday, someday. Yeah, it's back to that trip analogy, whether we're talking about an airplane ride or on the freeway or whatever. You sit down with the map. You look, here's where I am. Here's where I want to go. These are the steps that have to happen in between. This is the budget we need. You know, and then you start taking the trip. I mean, it's, it's all – it, it all just makes sense. It's, it's a logical progression, just like the rest of the world. But somehow, somehow we kind of tend to think that when we have a goal or a dream, maybe a dream, that um, it's just going to come to us. If it's really meant to be, it will just come to us. And sometimes things do, like, you know, your story of standing at the copy machine and somebody saying to you, you know, you should, you should turn this into a book. You know, this is a, you've got this in you. And you realizing in that moment, oh, my goodness. So sometimes it comes to you, but you had already done so much legwork. It wasn't like you were just sitting waiting for something miraculous to happen. No, no. And, and that kind of reminds me about how many people will say, well, I'm just going to let God do my marketing for me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting on God. Well, here's the concept that I teach in the BLAST program is that you want, you're right to trust God to do what only God can do, but God is trusting you to do what only you can do. So God is not going to create your website. God is not going to design your business card. God is not going to send out a mass email to every women's ministry leader that you know of announcing that you, um, you know, are, are putting yourself out there as being available to talk. There are certain things that you have to do yourself. So this concept of well, I'm just going to be still and let God do it for me. I, I kind of call that false modesty, um, it, it, and it doesn't serve you well. And I'm not saying that God isn't reliable. I mean, God has certainly opened doors for me that I never, ever imagined possible to sell a million copies of books right. before I'm even 40 right. years old. I mean, that was a God thing. But I had to be willing to discipline myself and sit down and open my laptop and say, okay, I'm turning off my cell phone. I'm closing the door. I'm putting a do not disturb sign out. I have to be the one to sit, sit down and get in the groove and, and stay focused long enough to make it happen. So it is very, very important to understand that, yeah, God will open doors for you, but you have to be faithful in those small things like we talked about in the beginning and then de develop that intentional strategy of, okay, how am I going to now let people know that this product or service is available to them so that it can change people's lives? Because I remember one of my mentors said to me when I was trying to get my first book published over about 20 years ago, he said, Shannon, getting a book published, is not the challenge. You could walk down to your local print shop and have one printed next week. <laughs> he said the challenge is getting your book into people's hands where it will change lives. And that is going to require a very serious marketing strategy. And he was very true. I've seen so many of my BLAST graduates assume that all I have to do is write the book, and then it's going to just be so transformational, it's going to create a, a cultural revolution. And then they're stuck with boxes and boxes in their garage or the trunk of their car because – they thought that writing the book was all that it would take. No, writing the book is the, only the first step. Now marketing that and speaking on the message and making yourself available to minister to people or coach people or counsel people or you know, however you interact with them, it all works together as, as one big, beautiful tapestry. And so understanding that you know, to just write or to just speak 
um, that's not really realistic. You know, people say, oh, well, I only want to do one or the other. Well, you know, when you when you develop a talk, you're writing a talk. You have to sit down and write it out for you to know how you're going to start and end and what all you're going to do in the middle. But then also when you, um, you know, when you write a book or a magazine article or whatever, you're going to need to share about it. You're going to need to do television interviews or radio interviews or a podcast or whatever. So I think that the speedy, the speaking and the writing disciplines, they go together. And if you understand yourself as both a writer and a speaker and a minister or counselor or coach or whatever, then it, you're going to be, you're going to be able to go with the flow and organically grow and evolve with that ministry. Because when people will only look at themselves as, you know, as one thing, but nothing else, you're really stagnating yourself. You're cutting yourself off at the knees and, and it's hard to really travel very far on your knees. So giving God the room to grow you and help you develop that confidence as a writer. Nobody was born a good writer. Develop that confidence as a speaker. Nobody was born a good speaker. Every speaker starts out afraid. But like Joyce Meyer says, we do it afraid. Um, I think it was Mark Twain who said there are only two kinds of speakers, uh, those who are afraid and those who are lying. Um, We all are afraid when we take that stage. But just letting that energy translate uh, into positive energy, into your message, there's magic in that, and that's where the transformation happens. It's trusting that God's going to put the words in my mouth, but I'm prepared. I know what I'm going to say, uh, and then just letting that flow. And, and the more you watch God work through you and touch other people's lives that way, the more you can trust that it's going to happen. It always does, and it always will. I just have to be faithful. Right. I love I have a friend who says, I have a friend who says, um, uh, it takes just as much faith to believe that the Holy Spirit can help you write it in advance as to believe that he can give it to you in the moment. <laughs> so, I mean, both, <laughs> That's both true. And I also tell people, I was going to say, I also tell people that it doesn't take any more effort to write or speak for a hundred or a thousand or even a million than it does to write or speak for one. So think big and dream big and don't be afraid to market yourself because if you truly hit a felt need in the marketplace, you could create a huge following. You could, you could really be a loud mouthpiece for God's purposes. Yeah. And I think the only time you have to worry about being proud is when you're saying either one of these two things. I can do this without God or God can't do this without me. And as long as you're not saying one of those two things, I think you're okay. Good. <laughs> That's true. So what are, a couple, what are a couple of your favorite strategies for creating effective video presentations? Well, with video, that is a completely different genre. When you are live on stage, that is a three-dimensional image, and you have a very broad stage through which to operate. You can even walk down into the aisles and interact with the people with the microphone in hand. But when you are doing videos, that is going to create a flat image, and your box for moving around is much smaller, and it's going to translate very, very differently. And so one of my suggestions is go ahead and set up a stage of where you're going to be delivering this talk from and record from behind the camera before you ever even start your talk and make sure that it's pleasing to the eye because, like, one of the things that people do that cracks me up is so oftentimes they will speak like standing in front of a tree, not having any idea that on video it's going to look like those branches are growing out of your head. Um, like, <laughs> just don't pay enough attention to, to what it is that's going to be seen on that flat screen when someone is actually watching that video. So definitely pay attention to the colors, um, the the setting, what you're wearing. Does it clash? Does it blend? Do you disappear into the background? Um, don't wear things like houndstooth checks or tiny stripes or dots, things that are going to throw the camera out of focus. Uh, solid colors are best. A bright pop of color is always good. Again, don't wear really dangly earrings or bracelets that make a lot of noise or even a necklace that picks up a lot of light and kind of just um, reflects into the audience's eyes. That can be a huge distraction, especially on a video camera. So, um, yeah, doing some trial runs in advance is always a good idea. But one of the things that I love about video is it is editable. And so as long as you – uh, whenever you make a mistake and, you know, just give yourself enough space there to just back up and start the last sentence over again so that you can make a clean edit and just take that entire section out instead of just 
rambling right on and not giving yourself the opportunity to do a mulligan and to take that little slip up out of the equation altogether. And the other thing I have to say that I love about video, Marnie, is that it can go global. It can go viral. It can be available mm-hmm. to people anytime. It is such a powerful tool. Living in this day and age with all this technology, we hold so much power and possibility in our hands. Use it. Don't be afraid to do a Facebook Live event. Don't be afraid to do a Zoom uh, interview and then put it out there um, on Facebook or on your website. Use technology, and video is certainly a great way to do that. Hmm. What has been your favorite video experience so far? Well, I certainly love speaking on the Women of Faith stage. There's a lot of difference between speaking to an audience of 20 or 200 and speaking to an audience of 12,000. You know, standing in an arena Mm -hmm. and staring at at thousands of women's faces and realizing I have this huge stage up here and I can be as loud and big as I want because it didn't seem like too much for the size of an audience because you always want to kind of gauge your energy level based on the size of your audience. If I did the same thing in front of an audience of 20 that I did in front of an audience of 12,000, they, they would need to like step out and smoke a cigarette. I would, they would just be you know so nerve wracked. Uh, but, but if I had spoken to an audience of 12,000 the same way that I would speak to an audience of 20, right. I, I could have put them to sleep. You, know, you, just, you have to know your audience and, and adapt your energy level and your body language and everything to fit your audience. Okay, and one funny story. Can you think of one? Oh, you're asking me for I thought you were about to tell me one. <laughs> no, I um, want you to share one. <laughs> oh, gosh, for my 25 years of speaking. Um, <laughs> I, well, fortunately, this was one that um, someone else did. That I was in the audience. I was not on the stage. I remember uh, my pastor he didn't even realize that he said it, but he was talking about Satan's fiery darts that come at us, but he got his uh, letters mixed up and, and, and was talking about Satan's diary farts that come at us. And all of a sudden he just stopped dead in his tracks and said, oh, my gosh, did I just say diary farts? And so, you know, every speaker is going to have one of those moments where they freeze and go, oh, did awesome. I just say that? You know what? Just learn to laugh at yourself Laugh with your audience. Don't get too humiliated. And the worst thing that you can do is let it slow you down. Just keep galloping. It It endears you to your audience (laughs) to mess up because then they see that you're as human as they are. And uh, and that that, that endears you to a great degree. Then they're not as intimidated by you either. It makes you far more approachable when you said something that you could not believe you did or said. Yeah, I love that. You just laugh at it, laugh at it, laugh with them, and then move on. Don't just stand there and apologize for five minutes. It's just no big deal. Exactly. Oh, this is apologize once and then stop. That's right. And move on. Move on. Shannon, if people head over to your blastmentoring.com, and I want to encourage you guys, you need to go check this out, blastmentoring.com. What are they going to find over there? Yeah, they're going to find some video clips, um, some testimonies from some of our previous BLAST graduates. Again, we've been doing this program since 2009. And so we have had hundreds of people catch the vision of just what a great speaker they can be and just how many audiences they can touch and what a great uh, steward of their time they can be. Uh, We've also seen a lot of people get uh, publishing contracts and not just self publishing contracts, but full service publishing contracts. And so to see people bring their own ministry dreams to life, that is what makes us come alive. So to cheer you on and to give you really practical advice as to how to get where you dream about being and create those those small action steps to how you, how you can get from where you are now to where you want to be, that's the, that's the type of practical advice you're going to find. And BLAST is a 12-lesson online program. So you can do it from anywhere in the world as long as you have a laptop and an internet connection. And you can go as fast or as slow as you want to go. You can do it in 12 months. You can do it in 12 weeks. You can do it in 12 years if that's how long it takes you. It really doesn't matter. The idea is, though, <laughs> let's get you moving in the right direction because if you don't go in the right direction, it, you could be way off and, and never land where you want to go. So learning from the pros and the people who have walked this path before you, that is a, a key strategy. I love that. I love your heart. I love your ministry. Thank you so much for being here today. You bet, Marnie. Thanks so much. And if they want to learn more about my ministry as, as a whole, not just the class program, shannonethridge.com is where they can come to learn more. 
fantastic. And thanks, you guys, for being here. It's so fun to be with you every week on Wednesday Afternoons Live. And thank you for those who join us um, at the uh, syndicate stations and host us. Thank you for that. And those of you who listen to the archives, really love that. And I plan to see you here again next Wednesday afternoon. So I hope you have a great day. Swing by Marnie.com. And also, go visit Shannon over at BlastMentoring.com or her website, ShannonEtheridge.com. Love you. Have a wonderful day. See you next time. Bye-bye.